are in our diaper of growing in favor with men. When we talk about recognizing rebellion among our children in the area of social development, usually what I get to hear about is, well, they have antisocial behaviors, and uh, they try to, or they're ill-mannered, they're just ill-mannered, or perhaps they just don't like, they don't get along with people. They don't, and usually when they tell me that, it's, they don't get along with their peers, they're not well-liked, they're not popular, was usually what they're communicating to me, and... Uh, and I just tell them, so what? Um, because, again, when we talk about social development, we're not really focused in on do their peers like them. The question is, will they develop into productive members of a society, understanding that they have a place among other people, that they should be a benefit to society and not a detriment, that they should be someone that is at least somewhat pleasant to be around. And we've talked about the things, the disciplines we need to instill in them. We've talked about recognizing authority in their life and how important that is. Uh, we've talked about um, the instruction they need in, in just uh, good social manners. Uh, and we talked particularly about how to listen and when how they should not be talking often, that they really should uh, be seen and not heard quite so much, uh, that they should be learning the uh, respectfulness in a social setting of others, esteeming others better than ourselves, is one of our key texts there in Philippians chapter 2. That's the mind of Christ, considering others better than ourselves, worthy of our uh, strengthening what our interests are to the interests of others. And that's a mature social development, that isn't going to be in your children at early ages, but it's what we want to raise them to be. We want to instill in them a respectfulness towards others. And in order to do that, we talked last week about the necessity of us being respectful to one another, uh, not being interrupters, not being uh, uh, self-oriented, uh, of really just learning to listen ourselves, of our speech, and of course James talks a lot about the tongue, about controlling, it's the rudder of your ship that directs most of your life is what comes spewing out of your mouth, and uh, I have a phrase, a turn of phrase that I've used for years, and my daughter included it when she had her kind of speech at, uh, I don't know where it was, at, at high school, um, of diarrhea of the mouth that there's just way too much of that, that we just have, and they don't even have any thought behind what they're saying. They haven't digested anything to really say anything that's worthwhile. So we've talked about some of those, and now we're going to say, what happens when we have someone that's rebelling against that? And this is really a very easy area, and once we get into it, you're going to say, oh, of course. And it's not about whether how many people like you. If, if you're trying to be unpopular or antisocial, and we often think about the people that are painting themselves black and, and putting pieces of metal through their skin and their hair is pointing in every direction and we think, well, they're antisocial people. But they really aren't. They're just trying to identify with a particular social group that is reflective of their rebelliousness against societal norms. They want to reinvent it, but they really don't because they want to dress just like the other kids that have their same spirit. And so the more they try to be to show their independence, they're actually showing their commitment to 
being like everyone else. It's just that the everyone else they're choosing is like this. And so they're all predictably uh, identical. You can recognize they, well, they all go together, you know, and this group all here socially. So we're not really talking about that. We're talking about a lot more important and more significant area that if we can tap that and, and address the significant rebellion, that you're probably going to have very little problems of this other area. Because that's really just an expression issue. I want to I wanna attach myself to this social group because I see that my authority in my life that I want to rebel against looks unfavorably toward them. And so I gravitate toward them really as an expression of rebellion. Well, I'm not so concerned about the expression of rebellion as the rebellion itself. Do you see the difference between those? And so if a child goes out there and knows the dad and mom, you know, wants you to dress modestly and nicely uh, and be polite and, and look respectable, and you go out there and do the opposite of those things, those are expressive ways of saying, I don't recognize or want your authority in my life. Uh, now, if mom and dad act and dress that way, then they're following your example. <laughs> and that's not rebellion, is it? Because they're just following what they've seen you do. Uh, but when they do that, as general, I'm, I'm anti my parents' generation. Well, they're going to gravitate towards people who are expressing that in a manner that they want to. We don't want to constantly be addressing the expressions of rebellion but really addressing the root of it and where that rebellion comes from. So let's look at James here very quickly, and then we're going to look at a couple examples. James chapter 3, I'm not going to talk about the tongue. I'm actually going to get into wisdom. We've dealt with some of this, but I want you to see some of this and look at, at what we're looking at. We'll, we'll pick up in, we could start in verse, oh, let's go ahead and start in verse 13. I was going to start in, in uh, 16, but let's start 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we come into the idea of this wisdom. We talked about this when we talked about growing in wisdom. We actually use this passage. We're coming back to it now at our conclusion to look at the opposite because I want you to notice how much evil comes from social sin. Think about the Ten Commandments and tell me how many of the commandments deal with your relationships with other people. How many of them out of the ten? Okay, do we know the Ten Commandments? All right, the first ones have to do with your relationship with God. Okay, that... You're going to keep a Sabbath day. You're not going to use his name in vain. And he's going to be your only God. All right. And then we get down to which, what is commandment number four? What is the fourth of the Ten Commandments? 
Daniel, what's the fourth of the Ten Commandments? You know, you memorized them in we're Life Club like three years ago. Oh, wait, you weren't in, you were a lamb then, weren't you? Were you a lamb three years ago? How old are you? Ten, seven. No, you would have memorized them three years ago. What is the fourth of the Ten Commandments? Honor your father and your mother. Is that, with, is that a relationship commandment? So from there on, every other commandment is one that involves a relationship with other people. You're sinning against other people. So six out of the ten commandments, well, the fourth, is it the fourth? Yeah. Fourth, yeah. Six out of the ten commandments. First commandment with a promise, but here we have honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And from there on, all the commandments deal with that relationship. Relationships. So sin is going to be evidenced mostly in relationship with other people, socially. So I'm going to steal your stuff. I'm going to murder you. I'm going to covet your stuff. I'm going to lie to you. All right? These are relational sins. And when James comes in and says, listen, the opposite of wisdom, the wisdom that is sensual, earthly, and demonic, um, their, their idea is always filled with envy and self-seeking. And he uses that phrase essentially twice. Verse 14, self-seeking in your hearts and bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts. This is the beginning of the, of the rebellion. Envy and self-seeking. And so where does that show up? Well, if you're waiting for the expression of that invisible means, visible rebellion, expression of socially unacceptable behavior, and that is not referred to just you, but society at large, all right? It used to be, by the way, um, one of the interesting things to look at corporate world. What does the corporate world uh, think about, oh, let's just mess around here a little bit. I, I, let's see. What do they think about you? It's changed a little bit recently since the big tech companies are all groovy and hip and all those things. I used old words, I know, all right? This group right here got that, and they were like, fine, that, that sounds good. You guys are like, what? Groovy and hip. Who uses those terms? Well, we do, okay? And so the tech companies are all groovy and hip, and, but what do they think of all your piercings coming to work with all the piercings? Back in the corporate world, just say 20 years ago. You're not allowed. What if you had tattoos all over you? Cover them up, or you don't get hired. If you can't cover up your tattoos, you don't get hired. Okay, the corporate world had a standard. Because if you're dealing with the public, they don't want the public coming into their store, their place of business, and being turned off by your appearance. So they had a standard. And, and we could say, well, the church is all about do's and don'ts, but the corporate world was even more so. They enforced that. You, you either follow this dress code or you lose your job. We're done. We're not going to tolerate that. Zero. Okay? And so they understand the social. But if we wait till the point of expression of rebellion, we have already lost the battle. Because it is the rebellion itself, it is the envy and self-seeking that we need to address. Because these are some of the roots of the rebellion. And that's why when we talk about instilling in our children contentment, which is the opposite of envy, 
If I'm a contented person, I can rejoice with those rejoicing. If I'm having a bad week and they're having a great week, I can say, I'm really happy for you. Instead of saying, oh, I'm horrible. How come you get everything to go easy for you? Well, nobody has everything to go easy for them. Uh, they have bad weeks when you have good weeks, and you have bad weeks when they have good weeks. So, uh, but we tend to get envious. Oh, and, and nothing gets you more envious than Facebook and social media, right? Snapchat. Because does anybody send you pictures of their bad days? I woke up and looked like this. You know? No, it, they've all, you know, they're taking pictures of their vacation. They're taking pictures of their highlights. Highlights of their life is what they're sending you. All the good things. And we start thinking, well, nothing good happens to me. And we get envious. And then self-seeking is simply pride. It's simply I'm the center of the world, and everyone should do what I want to do, and it's, it's self-interest, and we've talked extensively about that, of, of driving home to our children that if you're only interested in yourself, you are a lousy person to be a friend, to be a, a, a spouse, to be a worker, uh, you're, you're not beneficial to anybody, nobody. Even if you get around with a bunch of self-interested people, what's it like? Yes, it's obnoxious. Because they're each seeking their own things, and they just feed off each other, uh, and they're just using each other to feed themselves. There's not any benefit. And so when envy and self-seeking is there, so we're talking about social development. This is extremely important. Don't think that because it's at the end of the list, well, growing in favor with men isn't critical, as long as they're in favor with God and growing in wisdom and in stature. No, this is, this is a majority of the Ten Commandments are about social. Most of your sins are social. There are basically three categories of sins. Sins against God, sins against yourself, your own body. What are those sins? When do you sin against your own body? In the Bible. Do you know? Yes, adultery and fornication. We think, well, that's social sin. Uh, well, it certainly involves someone, but you're sinning against yourself. And then social. So majority of the, your sins are committed against other people. And so notice that envy and self-seeking, what, self what happens? Confusion and every evil thing are there. When you hear the word confusion, all right, what does that bring to your mind? This is not people not being able to decide whether to turn left or right or whether to buy that or this. Uh, what, is the, what is the term confusion? What are some other terms you could use in that place of that? <laughs> well, that would be the evil thing. I'm talking about just confusion. This, you could insert the word chaos. Chaos. When I come into a chaotic situation, everyone is seeking their own. And the first thing I do when I walk into an environment like that is I take control because that is completely ungodly. When you come in here to We're Life Clubs and these kids come in, it is, they have kind of a, a liberty here to play until we start club, but I never let them in this room unless there's an adult. And as soon as I come to the room, boom, what do I say? Line up. Balls in, line them up. And I usually yell at the coaches. Um, 
and I turn a chaotic environment into an orderly one. And then we can start to have fun. And as much as the kids are running around, it appears they're having fun, the fact is there is a social dynamic going on there that is frightening. And left to themselves, it will deteriorate more and more and more. That's why we don't open this up too early and let them play for an hour before we start, uh, because it'll just deteriorate. Children get, the, the most times children get hurt in World Life Club is during that time. You know, these children are running around smack, they run into each other. You know, the ball hits one kid that's being thrown from two other kids, and he runs between them, and bam. And then they come crying out there. Um, it is chaos, confusion, because it's envy and self-seeking. We never think about anyone but ourselves, and we are full of envy. And every evil thing is born out of this. And so when we talk about rebellion, you're not looking for the expression of rebellion. You're looking for the seed of rebellion. And the seed of rebellion is envy and self-seeking. These are what we want to purge out of our children. And so how early do children evidence envy? How early? Yeah. <laughs> they can't even talk. One child picks up a toy, and the other, ah, 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 you know, and they're envious. They want that toy. It was sitting there the whole time. They totally ignored it until that person picked it up. Now it's important to me, and I want it. That's envy. This is the seed of rebellion. Envy and self-seeking, there's chaos and every evil thing. And so when you're teaching your children to share... And you're telling them, no, you weren't interested in that. Go get another toy. You know, that's for them now. And you can just be happy for them to play with that. Um, and if they don't want to share it with you, that's okay because it's theirs. And, and I'll teach them sharing later. But I'm, not gonna, I'm never, ever going to succumb to a child showing envy. Ever. Uh, no matter if they, how much they cry, I'm not going to satisfy that. I'm not going to feed that monster. That they see, and usually it goes, and it goes both ways, oldest to youngest, younger to older. Um, it can go both ways. And I've seen older children there, and as soon as something picks up, uh, the little brother picks it up, and the big brother runs over and grabs it. Mine! That's envy. You weren't playing with it until they picked it up. And so you show that in my house, I don't care whose kid you are, you're going to be standing in a corner with nothing in your hands. Okay? Because I will not feed the monster of envy. Because that is the root of rebellion. Uh, let's go to Genesis. Early chapters. Chapter 4. Adam knew his Eve, his wife. She bore Cain. I acquired a man from the Lord. She bore again, bore Abel, keeper of the sheep. Cain was a till of the ground. Everything's good. These are adults. In the process of time, verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. I was happy over here until that. And then, and then I got depressed. By the way, depression is, has the same root as rebellion. Self-seeking and envy. 
Self, 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 self. Always leads to depression. And Cain is depressed. He's mad and he's depressed. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? These are two separate things. Anger out because of envy of his brother. God accepted your sacrifice, doesn't accept mine. I have to do it God's way. I can't do it my way. I, wanna, I, I brought a sacrifice. I brought the best I had out of my fields. Why can't you accept what I bring? Me, 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 me. Why is that be able, able, able? You always oh, liked able more than me. No, you know, all those kinds of words that we hear out of children's mouths. Um, this is envy and self-seeking. And where did it lead to? Murder. And we have our first murder recorded. What was the foundation of it? Envy and self-seeking. Instead of submission, it is, I'm envious of my brother, and he has something I don't have, and I'm mad, and I'm depressed, and so I'm going to kill him. Um, that'll stop it. And so right off the beginning, uh, we have this violation of, one of, of shedding of blood, and we have the institution of God's vengeance uh, and the mark put on Cain, and all of that that came out of the line of Cain now that's going to produce the monsters, the giants in the land, the Nephilim, uh, that are going to produce all that wickedness. Every evil thing came out of that line of Cain to the point of the flood where God said, I have to destroy them all. Okay? All born out of envy and self-seeking. So if you want to nip this stuff, don't. Wait for its full expression of rebellion. Catch it in its root. It is much easier to ferret out then. And so, yes, when you're countering a child's natural tendency, sin nature's there, to be envious and to seek themselves, you are helping them overcome a host of wickedness, but certainly socially, you are helping them develop in favor with men, and you're going to ferret out rebellion. So, the expressions of rebellion, I think we all can identify them. It's just antisocial behavior. You, they just shut down talking to us. They shut down trying to please us. Uh, they, they make ridiculous, nasty statements, uh, either uh, with body language, with dress and appearance, with other things. Um, or they just blatantly say nasty things. And some of that can be tied in with some hormones going on in their life. But if we have, uh, but if we waited till then, you've, you've lost most of the battle. It doesn't mean it's over. Um, because we have a transforming God through Jesus Christ who can take the sinner and redeem them. So they're not unreachable. I don't want you to give up on them there. It's just a lot harder. And you have to pray harder. You have to be consistently hard. God's going to have to convict them. And they're going to need God's word more, not less. And so, but as we raise children, we want to ferret out envy out of their life. And that's one of the earliest things to recognize. This is going to lead to a host of problems. This is going to lead to chaos in their life. Not in my life. In their life. It'll only, it'll only be a chaos in my life if I am envious and self-seeking. If I define my success by my children's decisions, then it will bring chaos and evil things into my life. I'll become angry and depressed. You know, I did my best, and this kid, 
you know, isn't living for the Lord. No, they have a will, remember? They have their own authority <laughs> to choose who they want to be. And nor do I have to bash myself. I did, I must have done a really lousy job. But rather, it is saying and declaring that uh, I'm going to give them to the Lord, and as long as there's breath in them uh, and their mind is, is turned on, God can still convict them. And so the only way that this is going to uh, bring it upon, chaos upon us is if we buy into the envy and self-seeking that's there by living out our lives through our children. Because notice what you're doing. You're living out your life through your children. All right? And uh, that's self-seeking. It's your life, your children, me, me, me. You're still there in self-seeking. And, um, and this is chaos, uh, confusion. It is every evil thing is there. So we want to address envy. I think that's one of the earliest evidences of the seed of rebellion, is envy and self-seeking. We often think, well, when my child stops and says no to me, that's the beginning of rebellion. Um, no, that is another expression of self-interest, of self-seeking, when they tell you no. It's already developed, and it, it, it's really evident socially when you see that uh, I want what you have. I'm not content with what I have. And so one of the verses that I really hammered into my children very, very early in life, and they heard over and over and over again, and anytime I heard them complaining, anytime they, I saw it in their life, as they were growing up, they heard a couple of verses. This one, they got hammered with all the time. Be content with such things as you have. Be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be content. And a host of problems goes away. Once I have contentment in my own life, I can rejoice over every good thing that's happening in your life. I can. If I'm content with where, where, what God's doing in me, and even though things might not be going swimmingly with me, uh, but, and things are going really well for you, if I'm content, I can rejoice in what God is doing in your life. I can uh, rejoice in your abundance even while I am struggling. And it's the only way. Contentment is the opposite of envy. I don't envy what you have. I am content with what I have, and therefore I rejoice in what you have. And I'll pray for you, because I also know that with great abundance comes great accountability. <laughs> if you have a lot of stuff, you have to answer for all that stuff, how you used it. Um, sometimes I'm very frightened by how much stuff I own because I was like, am I using all these things to God's glory? You know, the more things I have, the more things I have to keep track of that I'm using it properly and not selfishly. And it complicates your life. It really does because I got to figure out, am I using this for God or am I using this for me? Am I content if I didn't have this? And my wife said something this week and she's like, I'm ready to walk away from all this. <laughs> If we need to just walk away, I'm ready to walk away. I'm like, well, that's good to hear. That's contentment because our hopes is for another life, for a kingdom not made with human hands. But once I'm content in my life, then envy isn't going to be there. If I'm contented, I'm not going to want what you have because I have enough. I probably have too much. 
Out of contentment comes giving. If, I, if, I, if I'm discontent, I, I, I can't help other people because I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. I, I am just blown away by, by millionaires and billionaires who need more. I need more, I need more, I need more. Because there's no contentment. There, once you're discontent, there's no amount that will make you content. None. And so we have this calling. We want to see that instilled in our children. Be content with what you have. How do I see that? Well, practically, here's where you can find it. I, I've been taking you to the dinner table all the time, right? So let's go back to the dinner table. All right? Who gets the bigger portion? Usually the dad. Usually dad gets a bigger portion. Uh, but what if two siblings don't get equal portions? Ah, now you're seeing envy. And now you have an opportunity to teach, are you content with what you have? And the, one of the greatest ways to, to show contentment is to, uh, and, and this is actually in the Bible, uh, is to, when someone expresses discontentment with what they have, just take what they have away. You think that brother got a little bit more of that apple pie than you did, and you're complaining that his base is bigger than mine, that you don't have a piece at all. Do not reward envy and discontentment by adding to their apple pie. Take the apple pie away. Well, you lost your apple pie. Maybe tomorrow you can be content and get it back. Or maybe your brother will eat that one tomorrow. And you won't have any again. And so these expressions come out. And how you address those, address whether you're reinforcing self-seeking and envy, or whether you're teaching contentment. And then the other thing, other than self-seeking, of course, isn't self-deprecation. It's not putting yourself down. A lot of people think, well, the opposite of, of pride is, is putting myself down. Instead of exalting myself, I abase myself. Um, and that's not really what the Bible says. It says esteem others better than yourself. You already have a high view of yourself. Now exalt everyone else above you. It doesn't mean push yourself down. When you hear depressed people talk, they, it's actually depressive Selfish talk is self-deprecating. I can't do anything right. Well, what are they saying? When they go around and say, I can't do anything right, what are they complaining to you about? You want, they want you to feel sorry for them. It is a selfish thing to say, I can't do anything right. They want you to feel bad over how you treated them. It is self-seeking. All right? It is not thinking of others ahead of myself, that you deserve my very best and I'll try harder and, and I'm sorry to meet your expectations and, and what do you want? And so we have to be able to recognize these and address them at those early years so that by the time they're school-aged children, by the time they're, they're 9, 10, 11, that they are already understanding that these, this is the value system of my home and that if I show envy, and, uh, and that can take a lot of different forms and relationships. I just picked one out of a mealtime to give you an example, but there's lots of places to look for that. Um, 
when uh, a new baby, you guys got new babies coming into your house, uh, how do the other children respond to new babies in the house? Oh, well, it depends, right? Some days are better than others, but they're a little jealous. A oh, little baby brother or baby sister. Uh, and it can, you know, they get attention, I'm not getting this attention, and they act it out. And we are telling them, no, this baby brother's precious, you're precious too, but this baby brother's precious, it should be precious in your sight. Trust me, they're already precious in their own sight, okay? <laughs> they already think they're good. They think they're the best kid, and, and now they have to share you. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm a real big proponent of huge families, because there's a dynamic there that helps them become socially aware that they don't have to be the center of attention to enjoy life. And frankly, uh, children that are raised by themselves don't understand that as well. And so when we come to this, we're looking for opportunities to see envy, to address it, and we're seeing self-seeking. When we see self-seeking, mine, 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 we're pulling that away and we're teaching them this is wrong. And now we want to instill in them the wonder and the goodness of sharing, of giving, really, is what we want to focus in on, of giving to others. And we can see that throughout the scriptures, the joy of giving. And, uh, to, and the excitement of that. And how important that is in developing their character. By the time they're 12 year old, if they haven't understood that, that they that serving others is of more is more valuable than serving yourself, um, you got a long road ahead of you. Now you can exemplify that to them, but at some point when you see them never wanting to serve anyone but their own interests, that needs to be addressed by you. And the older they get, the more directly you have to address it. You need to point out to them point blank. You know, you're being really selfish. All you think about is yourself. Who are you serving? Who are you helping? We've been helping you for 12 years. We've been serving you. We've been cooking your food. We've been washing your clothes. We've been providing you housing. We've been doing it for 12 years. Uh, when are you going to start reciprocating? They don't know what the word reciprocating is. When are you going to give back? When are you going to show your thankfulness by serving others? And yes, I'm a big, big, big proponent of your children serving you. Okay, and so I uh, order my kids around and to serve on, and when they come back from something, if they come from work life and they got a treat, uh, they have to pay their taxes. You know what that looks like? What does that look like? Dad gets a bite. First bite goes to dad. And then, I don't take a little nibble. No, 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 no. 25% is what our government takes from us. Oh, mm, mm, that's good. Here, you can enjoy the rest of that. All right? Now, if they're disgruntled about that, they are discontent. They are self-seeking. They lose the whole candy bar. I might not eat it right then, but if they're disgruntled. And so it's the whole idea of, you have an opportunity to serve your dad. You have an opportunity to serve your mother. You can be helpful. And those things need to be reinforced. And the alternative is self-seeking. I don't want to. Oh, good. Then you want to stand in the corner. Then you want to not eat with us. 
not have supper tonight. You want to not have any toys to play with. Because self-seeking, if it doesn't, if there's no penalty for it in their youth, they will continue it throughout their life. It is already embedded in their sin nature. It doesn't need to be fed very much to thrive. And so it needs to be attacked vigorously and uh, by you. It needs to be addressed by you in their life on a regular basis. Because the end result is Cain and Abel. That's a, that's a fundamental failure. That's the end result. I don't value your life. I only think of myself. Therefore, taking your life means nothing. This is ultimate antisocial behavior. Envy and self-seeking, every evil thing is there. And chaos is there in their life. And so all of us, if everyone in the world was just completely self-seeking, just think of how horrible that would be. But we understand as a society that we need to instruct our, our, the next generation how to be citizens of a community. And so we have, and we try to do this in schools, and they fail because they deny the underlying need of a savior. So we had, in our public schools here in Albuquerque, we had the big movement called Character Counts. That's what it was when, I was, when my kids were in school. You guys remember that? Character Counts. And it was everywhere. Character Count. Build your character. And they had all these character traits they wanted to see developed in, in children so they could be members of a community. Right? But, they wouldn't but then they failed. Why did they fail? Because they're feeding the monster. The real monster is selfishness is self-seeking and envy. And they feed that saying we have to build their self-esteem and then we have over here that you should share. Well, which one is it? Self-seeking or others? You can't feed those two monsters at the same time and, and expect this one to reign. It won't. It will always fail. This one will always succeed. Uh, the monster of... of of envy and self-seeking will always, because it's naturally there in their sin nature. So we need to be about driving it out of their heart, out of their life, out of their interests. And when we see selflessness, when we see rejoicing in somebody else's thing, good thing happening to them, we need to recognize that and, and really... Uh, let them thrive on that. Isn't this fun? Uh, and one of the key things, times, I think, is birthdays. I'm going to pick on birthdays as we close. Okay? What happens on your birthday? What happens on your birthday? You celebrate you. We're celebrating the person. What does that mean? What happens on that day? What are you doing? You're feeding the monster. Big time. What do we do at Christmas with the trees, gifts on the tree? I didn't get everything on my list. Oh, too bad. Here, I'll take everything all away that you got. When our birthdays become all about me, 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 we are doing a disservice to our children. We are encouraging them towards envy and self-seeking. And I am a big one that we should in maybe change the concept of a birthday 
to can you share your day with others? It's not about you getting all these presents and you being the center of attention, but can you share it with others, with your family, with these others? Can you share yourself with others? And how much can we do that? And I have several friends that um, have done that with their children, and it was, it's, it's phenomenal to see how they do that and just say, we're going to take your day and we're going to serve God somewhere to some people. And instead of celebrating you, we're going to celebrate what you can do in society if you choose to be content and if you choose to esteem others better than yourself. It's not all about you. And we try to emulate that to our children by example and by saying, you know, these days that we think are ours, uh, if God gives us an opportunity to minister on that day, I'll always choose the ministry over the party. And, and I've, I've had to put that into practice several times. And my children are like, it's your wedding anniversary. Yeah, but this is more important. I can celebrate my wedding anniversary. I can take my wife out tomorrow. But this is more important. This is a pressing need that we can serve them. And just because it happens to be my birthday or my, uh, this special day or whatever doesn't matter. What matters more is opportunities to minister because that defines the Christian walk, is that we have an impact on others. We esteem others better than ourselves, worthy of us giving everything for their benefit. And that is the reverse of what we see a lot of parenting do, where we see everything, the children receiving everything and giving nothing. So some of the best opportunities you have are the days when they expect to be the center of attention and to say, do you want this to be about you or about glorifying God? Do you want this to be about others? And an opportunity to share yourself with other people, instead of having other people share their stuff with you and give you stuff. Can we share yourself with other people? They don't have a lot of resources, children, but uh, what they do have, we can direct them in the area of giving, in the area of being uh, uh, sharing, and of serving others. And we really press that hard, that serving others is precious. Uh, and we don't have to reward it, because if you're rewarded here on earth, what happens? What have you just robbed them of? A reward in heaven. So don't feel like you have to reward it all the time. I know the psychologists tell you to do that. I don't believe in that. I believe in just saying, well done, and Lord will, Lord will remember that. I don't need to reward them for doing what's right. But I certainly will correct them for doing what's wrong. When I see envy, there's a cost for that. Um, because if you bring that into the workplace, you bring that into a society, you will have chaos and every evil thing. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you again for your word and its truth, its power. And Lord, we see right off in Genesis the effect of envy and the strife it brings. And Lord, you've called us to be agents of peace. 
We know that that involves a willingness to sacrifice uh, for something more than just our own interests, for the interests of a group, for a body, for you. And Lord, give us that heart and spirit to show our children and to uh, communicate to them and help them through discipline and through corrective actions to uh, value contentment and value serving others and caring for others and loving others before ourselves and our own interests. Lord, help us each here as children of God to be good stewards of what you've given, put in our care. We know that we need to use these things not to make ourselves comfortable, uh, but to serve your kingdom. And Lord, help us to uh, see better how we can use our job our things, our monies, our time, our energies, our, our talents to serve. And Lord, we know that there's joy in that. And we pray that you might help us to see that. And Lord, where we become envious and cannot enjoy other people's good things happening in their life, Lord, convict us of that and, and purge it from us that we might have contentment and be godly. And Lord, help us also with self-seeking. We all have that. It, it rears its head in all of our lives. Help us to recognize it, repent of that, and walk humbly before you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.